What up? It's your boy, bringing you another fired up episode of the Rippingest Podcast, NNC. This week, I am left with no choice but to shout out the Yo Sheets video. 10 minutes of high level local stoke out of the Winston area. Shit got me fired up. Go watch it before the next time you rip. So great work to everybody who skated in, filmed, and edited that ripper. I also have a big shout out to give the homie Chris Walton coming through with a charitable donation. I would never ask for such donations, but that made me really stoked and was an unexpected and appreciated surprise. Big love, Chris. So for episode 19 of the pod, I am lucky enough to present to you Maddie McNeil. He's one of the main guys that calls shots and makes decisions in regards to the space, Wilmington's very own private keyholder skate park. Check him out on Instagram at the space underscore force to stay up to date on events, merch, and ways that you can participate in their culture and help keep it alive and well. He also plays bass in the raddest and baddest skate rock band the Carolinas have ever seen, Shred Crust. If you're not familiar, do yourself a favor and check them out on Spotify. That's Shred with a three. They are guaranteed to add a little extra hype to your next backyard pool session. I look at Maddie as the type of guy who's not getting much outward credit or recognition, but I think he's one of those underappreciated heroes of our skate community. And without people like him, the scene wouldn't nearly be as unified or as healthy. So it was a blessing to get him on the pod and hear the stories he has to tell. This is a super fun one, so stick around and check it out. Let's rip it. building yeah you're psyched dude i'm I'm stoked to be here i'm stoked you're here yeah you gave me a nice little tour your spot it's coming along super super well you've got a house in the legendary renowned sunset park sunset park a lot a lot of skate history here so i'm stoked to get into it all and you were saying uh you talba a lot of the guys that you hang with now kind of have similar origins you're almost one and the same so you happen to get picked out of the lineup and put on the pod so i'm stoked to hear about all this stuff you represent them (laughs) hell yeah uh so who is your core crew in 1980 i'm from plymouth massachusetts okay in 1986 i went to uh boy scout camp and my last name is mcneil tim's last name is mcauliffe so by alphabetical order we got put into canoeing partners for our canoeing (laughs) merit badge and so we just started talking in the canoe and we had both already skated no way and so we became you know tight in that canoeing class and as soon as canoeing class was over we actually went to the same church too so our our parents knew each other okay they knew each other so my mom would start bringing me over to tim's house and started skateboarding i mean from yeah i think that was a lot 1986, in between 6th and 7th grade. Okay. Is when gotcha. him and I started skating together. Yeah. And then for 
I think it was in 1989, we, were, we would skateboard like the equivalent of a food lion here. Up there, it was called Purity Supreme, just a shopping plaza that was kind of between Tim and I's house. And we'd, we'd meet there every day after school and skate. And one day, this random dude comes rolling up with short sweatpants on and mullet. And that was EJ. EJ lives here now. And then that summer, we went to a... Uh, the 1989 Bones Brigade Summer Tour, and that's when we met Mike Brown in the parking lot there, skating a launch ramp, and we invited him down to Plymouth to meet us, and so that was kind of like our core crew then. There's a couple more guys that mm-hmm. we skated with too, but they kind of fell off through time, and me, Tim, and Brownie and EJ always remained friends, and we, we all left Massachusetts at some point, so we moved back and forth, and we lived together, and I didn't live in Florida, but they did. EJ lived in Colorado with me. Tim and I lived in Colorado, but yes, and we all ended up moving here. Gotcha. Uh, what was growing up in Plymouth like? It was a good place to grow up. I mean, it wasn't like a big. Um, th- there were no other skateboarders. Uh-huh. It, was, it was us. We didn't have like an older generation telling us like this is what you should listen to, here's punk rock, here's what skateboarding is. We were like listening to White Snake and Motley Crue and skateboarding <laughs> the quarter pipe with our mullets. And <laughs> Hell yeah. And I think, it, yeah, Tim left. Tim, Tim, Tim went to a private high school, Boston College High School in, in the city. And so he met a bunch of other skateboarders there that, you know, I remember like the week after he started school there, he came home with like a tape with like the Misfits and dead Kennedys and it kind of broadened our like skateboarding horizons to to meet other skateboarders sure that uh, that yeah. kind of were more familiar with what skateboarding is besides just riding our skateboards that's like yeah we skated but we didn't weren't really exposed to like the skateboarding culture per se yeah yeah understood would you um ever make trips to like Boston or anything yeah. was was there skateboarding going yeah. on in Boston yeah. yeah there was a skate park called um Maximus and they opened in 1989 so I think that would have put us in ninth grade Tim's dad drove us there and that was it had like a we called it a vert ramp it didn't have vert on it, it was nine feet tall it went right to vert uh-huh. and then right behind that there was a mini ramp and you could drive like 25 miles from Plymouth to, to the uh, public transportation subway. Oh, so, cool. like, our parents would take turns driving us to Braintree and we'd get on the subway and take the su- Braintree was the first stop and then Alewife was the last stop. So, we'd take the red line all the way to Alewife and go skate Maximus and we would skate there a bunch. It was there from 89 to 99 uh-huh. throughout that whole time. But in the beginning, when we were young, we were going there and we would go there the whole time. Eventually, EJ and Brownie work there and you know we would go there all the time but that mm-hmm. that was our I think that was really the only well no there was another skate park in um, Newport Rhode Island Fred Smith he skated for Alva okay. and he had a, a skate park in uh, Providence Rhode Island huh, he opened it himself mm-hmm. sick yeah yeah, yeah. And that wasn't there for that long but yeah. that my mom would bring us there too my mom would bring us there they were like tatted up they were Alva dudes like 80s Alva dudes tats dreadlocks it was in the shittiest part of town (laughs) my mom would drive us there sit in the parking lot in her lawn chair and read (laughs) while we skated and then drive us back home again and brownies i I was the youngest brownies a couple years older than me 
Brownie is uh, Mike Brown. Mike Brown. Okay. Yeah. yeah, he's he plays drums in Shred Cross, but Fuck yeah. yeah, Mike Brown. Okay. And he, so he, you know, I I was fourteen when he got his license, and once he got his license, he would start driving us, and we'd go to Providence, we'd go to Maximus, and that started to expand ourselves out of Plymouth. And yeah. Skate more stuff. There were other parks too. The Skaters Edge, I think it was called, and that was right right outside of Providence. Providence had a lot of good skate spots. How far away was Providence from Plymouth? About the same. Boston and Providence. Providence is maybe a little bit farther, like forty five minutes. Boston was forty minutes. But an easy like Saturday trip or something. Day trip. Yeah. Better. At least to us, it's there was a better skate scene there. Not scene, but. I guess we knew our way around there better. Hmm. But we would also go to, to Boston and skate street yeah. and whatever else. And we, we'll, between both those places. Sometimes yeah. you go to Boston, sometimes you go to Providence. Yeah, Boston's a cool-ass city. I yeah. was just there uh, for the first time last summer and got to, like, you know, just check it out and see what it's like there. You could tell there's, like, a rich skate history just by how good the scene is now. You yeah. know what I mean? It's not like that happens overnight. Yeah. Like, I, did, I mean, I left there when I was 17... Tim and I left to go to Colorado. I was in Colorado for about ten years and moved Damn. back moved back there for five years and kind of got reacquainted with the scene there in that five year period and then I moved here. Yeah. So really, from 1992 till now, that's thirty years. Wow. That's, yeah. So in the last thirty years, I've only lived there for five. Gotcha. But, gotcha. So that's kind of a distant memory at this point. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I've been here this this month. I've been in Wilmington for 17 years. Oh yeah, but I still do go back up there a little bit here and there. But my, my mom and dad actually moved here. My sisters live in Asheville, so once my mom and dad moved here, that was kind of you know, it's easy to visit your hometown when your parents live there. Yeah, when it's anywhere in the world or go back to your hometown. Yeah, <laughs> I've been choosing anywhere in the world. Yeah, I don't go back there that much, but. I know but we do mean. go back up, and there's a whole skate crew up there, like 5.9 Death Crew, and we're all still part of that. And we yeah. go up there for their, they have a party every year. Yeah. I don't go every year, but we are going there this year to, to play at it. Yeah, Shred Crust, I think this will be yeah. our fourth time playing up, stoked to hear that. up there. Yeah. Yeah. Just out of, out of curiosity, when you like grew up in Plymouth, you said there was no skate scene there. How did you get? Boards like were you ordering them out of like catalogs? No, no. Massachusetts is kind of different because every town's connected together. There's not a lot of like, at least where we're from. So there there was a skate shop called the California Surf Shop that was in um, Pembroke, Mass. California Surf Shop, about as far as away from California (laughs) as you can get. Yeah, but 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 they sold boards that have demos in. They do like uh, snowboarding trips, and so huh. we'd like sign up for those and go snowboarding with them. Nice. So they, I, I'm pretty sure Mike Brown was sponsored by them. Then there's another skate shop in uh, Whitman, Mass. The part of Mass we're from, we're from, is called the South Shore. So Pembroke's in the South Shore. Whitman would be considered South Shore, and it's called the Bike Barn. But they, I think his parents owned the bike shop, and like Kevin was into skateboarding. So in the bike shop, there was a little section that was a skate shop. And they they had a skateboard company called Big Top. And Brownie rode for Big Top. And then Tim rode for Big Top. Greg the Hammerquist, our other friend, he rode for them too. 
Sick. So there was there was places to get boards for sure. Uh huh. Right on. Not in our town, but you needed a board. You could yeah travel and make, make a little drive. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I live five minutes away from a skate shop. I have to drive thirty minutes to buy a board. You'll you'll do that if you're down for the the culture and want yeah. to support small businesses yeah. and all that good stuff. So I feel that that's what's up. Shout out to uh, what were they called? What the the shop. Oh, the California Skate Shop. Yeah, yeah, California mm-hmm. Skate Shop. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if they're still around. Mar- nope. <laughs> no. They just closed. Oh, no shit. They just closed. Sounds like they had a hell of a run then. They did. They they, they ended up... It, it, Mark Dinatolis. I'm pretty sure I'm saying that right. He owned it. And he was rad. And he... I don't know if he sold it to his brother or... His brother ended up owning it and his brother moved it into the mall. Okay. It became more of like a a mall skate shop so we mm. wouldn't go there then yeah and it, it, it randomly a friend of ours married that guy <laughs> and they moved that shop into Plymouth and I think it just closed like this year yeah that's sick yeah stuck around for a while then I think Tim still has Tim does he still has one of those big top boards <laughs> the big one of the shapes was based off of a, like a Hensley board okay and that's that one that Tim yeah. still has yeah. What when you were little? What pros were you like looking up to, or how were you? Were you consuming any sort of skateboard media like mags oh, or yeah, anything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, my, my, I, I think it was like August, nineteen eighty six was my first Thrasher. My mom got me nice. a Thrasher subscription, yeah. and still does to this day. But <laughs> yeah, so we had Thrasher. I mean, we were reading Thrasher magazine. Yeah, that's what's up. Yeah, and then like, I mean, we we, we were we were fans of Hasoy. Oh like yeah, we were either like Tony Hawk or Christian Hasoy. We were Christian Hasoy guys, but then like I had certain other dudes that I just was into, and I'd have on my wall like here's the Danny Sargent wall, and I'd uh-huh. have his stuff, and the Julian Stranger wall, and here's the Hasoy wall, and I yeah cut out all those pictures. I have in mean, those boxes right over there. I still have all my old thrashes are all in there. Damn. Yeah, and a lot of them it kind of sucks. Is all the best pictures in them are cut out because I. Okay. We cut them out and hang them on my nice wall dedicated to those certain people. Yeah, yeah. That's sick, though. You got them in the memory and bank. And then, like, the videos. You know, like, um, when I met Tim would have been, like, when the early Powell videos were out, like, Future Primitive. Okay. Know, the early, early yeah. ones. And so we, we, we would get those. Tim's dad would take us to the shop, and we would, you know, buy the VHS tape. And obviously way different than it is now, like... Skateboarding happens, and you're seeing it that day on yep. Instagram or whatever. Mm-hmm. Where like those videos might have taken like two years to to make them. Totally. You're not seeing any of that footage, and then that footage comes out, and like, holy shit, the HD videos coming out. Like, let's go get the VHS. And yeah, you get to be exposed to like an hour and a half video of everything these people have been doing for the last couple of years, and even like super inspiring us to to learn those tricks. Yeah, uh, it's a completely different world now too. It is with um. Like like you're saying, how instantaneous videos come out. It's like you could get feedback on a trick like immediately, and so kids kind of will chase that uh, dopamine. Like, oh, like I want people to tell me my trick is sick, and then yeah, post yeah. it. So I, I, mean, I, I do like that yeah. instant exposure, but there's something at that time when you like you don't realize that skateboarding is progressing this much as much as it is okay the, because yeah, they're, yeah. they're filming it you don't see that yeah and all of a sudden it comes out and you're like holy shit like the skateboarding yeah. is not what it was 
two years ago right. when Shackle Be Not came out and then Hocus Pocus comes out and it's like a whole new and then even from like I mean the street parts and like Future Primitive they're like carving around on the sidewalk and doing acid drops yeah. you know, and then Hocus Pocus comes out and they're you know, at at one point it's like Rodney Mullins, the only one to do a kickflip, or like Gons <laughs> or not. It's like a, a couple people can do handrails, and then those H Street videos started coming out, and like oh, a lot of people are doing these. Yeah. You know, so that yeah, we were whatever came out. What Power Edge magazine was out too. We would get that. Huh. Transworld was out. I think Tim yeah. got. I think that was the thing. I got Thrasher, and then Tim got the Transworld subscription. Okay, so you, you know, can kind of share. Trade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I already got Thrasher, so yeah. tell your mom to get you Transworld and then Sick we can one. get as much uh-huh. exposure to it as yeah, possible. I like that. But that, that's a good point you mentioned about like videos wouldn't come out for a while because then like if you think of the progression of skateboarding as like a graph, nowadays since you're seeing the progression every day, it's like a slope up. Yes. But it seems like back in the day it would have been like a stair set. You know what I mean? Like, it would be like, here's where the level is, some time goes by, and then boom, it jumps up. Yeah. You know? I think that's kind of cool. I, I always think about that, like, being like kind of grateful that I started when I did, it, and how much skateboarding changed from when I started. Yeah. Quickly. You know, from 1986 to, I mean, even 89, probably, in the 90s, it just took a huge leap of what people were doing. Yeah. For sure. No doubt. Um, who's the? What does five point nine mean? Where does that come from? The, the the whole name and all that was like b- before me, but b- before I moved back there from Colorado, I guess this is the story as I know it. Sorry if I'm getting it wrong. <laughs> That's good enough. But <laughs> let's hear it. <laughs> that they was they were going to a skate park and they were sneaking in like Natty Ice. And Natty okay. Ice has like the 5.9% oh, alcohol. <laughs> so they, to not get caught, they would squish their, you know, pour the beer into a cup and then like jam the can somewhere. Yeah. And I guess the shop or the park owner was would find those cans and be like, who the fuck's fucking drinking in here? And finally he caught them. Okay. And he's like, oh, you're the 5.9 guys. <laughs> and then they're like, yes, we are. We are the 5.9 guys. And, they owned and, it. And, and I don't even know, I don't even know who that was. Yeah. in the crew of people but then that, that became their thing and when I so you know from growing up there and we go to contests and you know that Maximus I mean, it's in Boston the skate hut Providence so people from all over New England were going to those places to skate Yeah, not that I was friends with those dudes but we skated with them like I knew them and then living in Colorado I I met a few of them out there and when I moved back to Massachusetts is when I started going to like the five nine. It was a ramp then. It's a bowl now, but and and, I'm, and, and I start seeing these same dudes. Mm-hmm. You know, now we're older. And I'm like, I remember you from being a kid and skating in the contest at the bike barn or or at skate hut or Maximus and reacquainted with those guys. So when when I moved back there for that five years, I got really tight with those guys. You got initiated. I did get did initiated. They, did they jump you in? No, I, okay. I, I beard myself in, to okay. be honest with you. There was another, that, that was, um, when did I move back there? 1999. Uh-huh. And there was a place called, um, what was that called? Like an indoor park? Yeah, it was, a, it was an indoor park. Skater Island. I Skater Island? I couldn't think about that, yeah. Okay. It was a sick park. Sid Abruzzi from Newport, he was running that park. He had a vert ramp. It was a really, really sick skate park. Sure. And I would, I would go there 
a dude I had met in Colorado. He was from Newport, Rhode Island. He came to stay with my friend Andy Garula in Colorado. I was back in Colorado visiting. I had already moved. So it was just Herb and I. And I knew how to get to this uh, full pipe. So Herb and I go to this full pipe and get there. And there's already like a ladder, like a, like a backpack ladder huh. already set up. So we climbed down the ladder and we went up in there. And This is in Colorado? This is in Colorado. Is this the one that's in like the anti-hero video? It's been in videos. There's yeah. a couple. There's one in Leadville and there's one in Silverjack Reservoir. We went to the Silverjack Reservoir. Yeah. When we got in there, who who was there was, it was Salba, Texas Dan, Damn. Preston, Rhino, and Peter Hewitt. No way. Herb, Herb knew them. I didn't know them. Herb uh-huh. knew them. So we ended up skating with them. When I moved back to Massachusetts... I hooked up with Herb, and Herb brought me to that 5.9 party, uh-huh. and we, I skated, and they, they invited us back again, and it was um, later on that year, we went there, we brought beer and food, and we were like, let's just go walk up there and see who's there and see if they'll let us cook them food and skate. Yeah. And there was one dude there that didn't skate, his name's Carl, he's like, come on in, and we cooked him food, and we skated, and... And they started inviting us back more and yeah. more. And you couldn't buy beer on Sundays in Massachusetts. Oh, okay. So on Saturday, I would buy a case of PBR bottles, cooler, ice. I'd roll up to the to the bowl and plop down that cooler and, and they're skate. And they're stoked, yeah. And I'd see those dudes at um, Skater Island, and they wouldn't even know my name. They'd be like, oh, oh what up? It's PBR guy. <laughs> see you Wednesday. Nice. So, is, is this back in uh, Plymouth? This is this is after I lived in Colorado. So I left for Colorado in '92, and I right. moved back. In it was it was around right around 2000. Yeah, I'm just setting the back. scene. This this yeah. ramp, and you became the PBR guy in Plymouth. At, well, okay. in Attleboro, Mass. Attleboro. Okay, yeah, gotcha. That's like an hour from Plymouth. It's I right see. on the Attleboro is in Massachusetts, but it's more like it's really close to Providence. Yeah. it's a suburb of, of Providence, Rhode Island. Yeah. So, what was behind you bouncing back and forth? Like, what made you want to check out Colorado? Tim and I. Tim and, Tim's family like skied. He grew up skiing. Okay. And so then when snowboarding became a thing, he bought a snowboard. And I think like in ninth grade, I bought a snowboard. My parents got me one for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I'd go with his family snowboarding. And then as we got older and got a license, we would go to New Hampshire and Vermont and snowboarded kind of a lot. And still skated. But in the wintertime, we would snowboard. And yeah. when it came time to uh, go to college... I was going to go to school in New Hampshire so I could snowboard. And at the last minute, me and two of my friends, we um, we made a list of every school in Colorado. It was on one side. And then all the ski resorts with, like, lines going from the school to the <laughs> ski resort. With, like, how many miles it was. Oh, yeah. so if you're here, then you're 67 miles from wherever. And then there's Western State College, you know, a line to Monarch Ski Area, a line to Crested Butte Ski Area, 28 miles. 47 miles a circle around it yeah like, let's apply to that school so yeah the three I mean, of us applied to school there we all got in and we moved yeah. there that was yeah, like yeah. August of 1992 and I, I was 17 gotcha so those, so those stories of being younger in Plymouth that was you know I was pre-17 exactly I spent 17 to 25 in Colorado gotcha yeah so you're in you basically went to Colorado for college mm-hmm. um but yeah, I mean that's that's kind of funny you mentioned that because I mean you can ski, and snowboard in Massachusetts, yeah. Like they they do have some. Oh stuff, yeah, no, but... it's good, it's okay. good. But we would same thing the videos. 
you, yeah. you're watching videos of like people chopping off cliffs and powder and yeah. it's just a different thing and that's totally. like oh I want we want to let's go to Colorado sure let's go do it do it do it and hell yeah and that's what we did it's like a good time I've been to uh, where did I go I've been to Breckenridge super sick just to like be able to ride for miles you know yeah. what I mean like you can like honestly take a run it was awesome. last like we did not minutes. know what we were getting into yeah. you know and we, like if you leave Denver I think you know Breckenridge is probably like three hours maybe two and a half hours from Denver okay keep going another three hours in to where we lived in Crested Butte or Gunnison's where the town that we went to school in and it's just huh. in the middle of nowhere Crested Butte didn't, didn't they like not allow snowboarding for a while or something? I don't. Am I maybe making that before up? I got there, but I, I, I think that's a story with a lot of uh, resorts. Yeah, they wouldn't allow it, or you had to get like certified for the day, and someone from the resort would have to follow you down. Oh, that's fucking good. Make sure that you're good enough. And like Tim and I, this is when we were younger. We like prided ourselves on like smoking that dude. You're like, you want to see if we're good enough? Like, late, dude. We're fucking out. You're like, how far are you going to be? We're going to have to follow you again because we couldn't actually see you. Like, yeah, no. Hell yeah. So you and Timmy, you're, you and Tim are, are gnarly with the snowboards, huh? I mean, we're. It, it's kind of an easy. It's, if, you're, if you're good at skateboarding, then snowboarding is pretty easy. Yeah, I tend to agree. It's a little bit of a different feeling to like get started. Like it's kind of harder to learn than you would think. Yeah. But then once you know how to do it, you're like, yeah. oh, I'm chilling. I mean, learning like it takes like a couple hours. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I learned to surf. That took me like a year to learn to surf. That's hard. <laughs> yeah. But snowboarding, I feel like once you get used to like the edges and all that. Yeah. It was cool when we lived there. There'd be people like that would move from Florida or something. Yeah. And, like never even seen snow. Right. And then they they moved to, like I'm gonna go to Colorado and snowboard and you know within like. A week they're like doing 360s and can do it <laughs> right yeah no that, that's that's a good point a lot of those mountain towns are like transient environments like people come from all over just to kind of check it out for a few years and then dip out mm -hmm. so i'm sure you got to meet some cool like characters while you were out yeah, there that was awesome yeah yeah tim left after that first year and uh -huh. I, I stayed there yeah and i, I, I mean I, I failed out of college the first time around and I moved back to Massachusetts. Damn, were you just too distracted? I think, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. snowboarding too much. And, like, I was really used to doing good in school. So I think I thought, like, oh, I can just go snowboarding and not and just show up to the test and I'll be fine. And yeah. I wasn't fine. Harder like, than that? <laughs> yeah. Harder than that. I gotcha. Yeah. I think I failed one class for, for sure. And the other class, like, I didn't drop it. You know, so if you get technical failure, you know, like, oh, shit. what do you mean? I didn't even go to that class. And, like, you never actually dropped the class. Oh, hell. <laughs> so then I got put on, like, academic uh, probation. And the next semester, <laughs> I got three C's and an F. And because I got that F, I, I got to put on academic suspension. Oh, hell. And it's probably, for, in the end, that was for the best. But Sure. Yeah, I mean, college definitely isn't, like, everybody's cup of tea. No. You know, and then like, I, I moved back, and I moved to, um, well, actually, I was in Massachusetts, Intending on actually moving to Breckenridge, and I broke my leg. Me and EJ were skateboarding downtown in Plymouth, oh, shit. and just skating to the spot that we were going to skate. But we had like our line that to go through downtown Plymouth, and it was just like a, a, a sidewalk intersected by another sidewalk, and then the street, and like just 180 ollie over the sidewalk. And my front foot came off, and I broke my ended up breaking my leg. 
Damn. from my ankle tweaking so bad that it broke my leg at the top. God. So now I'm not now I'm not going back to Colorado, and I'm I worked in a candle factory. Sick. And then they have you know you're I was at the end of like the I was in the truck. The packages is coming down at me. And I'm like packing the truck up like Tetris, and then like the bell would ring, you know, smoke break, and people would go outside and smoke a bunch of cigarettes, and then back inside, and I was like, like, I need to get the fuck out of here. Yeah, that sounds terrible. It, it was terrible. And then, I, so I went back out to Colorado, not in school, and just lived there. Uh-huh. That was 1994. Did you still have uh, friends out there from college, or did mm-hmm. everybody fail out? No, 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 no. <laughs> okay. No, a couple of my friends, their, their parents, um, what would have been, I think maybe my sophomore year yeah their parents uh, rented them a house off campus oh nice and they're like dude my parents paid for this house like we don't pay for it just come live with us on the couch jeez so yeah. I flew out there hard to say no to that got a job at the resort cleaning hotel rooms it okay. sucked and you got a free pass though yeah yeah so you, you find your way in there to yeah. so you weren't like you know making a lot of money or doing something you were stoked on but you did get free like a free lift ticket, and you got to live hundreds with the, of live hundreds with the of boys. Jobs. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That you could be doing anything, but it was yeah. always easy. This is the only year I did that. You could always get a job cleaning hotel rooms because it sucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Ma- a, lot of, a lot of turnover. turnover. Hell yeah, yeah I feel it, that. that. That sucked. That was the worst job I've had. <laughs> and then, yeah, I stayed there till um, that year. Tim Tim had left, and t- at that point, Tim was living in um, Seattle. Mm-hmm. And when Cresta Butte closed, I flew to Seattle and met Tim. He was staying with our friend, our friend Dave Lee. He's, he's a, well, he was a pro snowboarder, ripping skateboarder. Tim was staying with him. So I flew out to Seattle and went and stayed with Dave and Tim and spent like six weeks out there. Solid. And I think, and then I think it was the next year I ended up going back to college again. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, um, when you first moved out there, did you? Was there like any skating going on? Yes. Okay. Where? And at that time, that. it was like at that time. I think Tim and I thought that maybe we had quit skateboarding, kind of. Yeah. But in hindsight, we didn't quit skateboarding. It was like we were seniors. We were partying, you know. You're, and then we. Tim's dad brought us to Western State for our um, freshman orientation. Mm-hmm. So to say how little we were skateboarding at that time, we didn't even bring our skateboards, which is crazy to think of that. And then when we got there, there was right across the street from the school, there was a uh, skate park that had it had a seven foot uh, steel ramp and a, like a four foot steel ramp. So we were stoked. We were like, mm-hmm. oh hell yeah. yeah! So when we started school, I mean, we still skated. Yeah. But you know, we we were knew that those ramps were there, and yeah. we'd skate those ramps every day. I mean, dude, nowadays Colorado is insane for skating. They have like millions of skate parks it and is. they're all sick, it you is. know? Like it, is. it was different. They had skate parks there. Yeah. But, you know, the the, the whole concrete skate park revolution hadn't happened. I guess not that happened hadn't happened. Yet. Okay. But that did happen while I was there. I mean, it's probably fast forward in a few years, but I, I eventually moved to Crested Butte, which is 28 miles from where my school was, and I would hitchhike back and forth. Sick. To school, and there was a crew of guys from Florida that lived in Crested Butte, and they built a. One guy's name is Lenny Bird. He still he still skates. He's fucking sick. But he built a wooden bowl in his garage, and 
he ended up offering it to the city to put in the parking lot of the ice skating rink. And the huh. mayor was super young guy, and so he was hyped on that idea. Wow. <laughs> so they moved that bowl and they put it at the ice skating rink, and like, it, you know, it got tons of action. And the mayor was like, Hell yeah. Well, damn maybe we could build something permanent there. Yeah. And I was way young. I mean, at the time, it seemed like I was way younger than them. They might be 10 years older than me. But we would all, they would, we would, I would meet up with them and we would like draw ideas for this concrete skate park and we would nice. submit those ideas to the city and, well, city, there's 1,200 people that live there. But, and we have events at the ski area and bring, um, our friend Donnie Meyer, who was a pro skateboarder for um, Zorlac, he lives in Tennessee now, but he brought his burnt ramp there from Florida. Whoa. And we set it up at in Lenny's driveway, and then we moved it to the ski resort. What, just like piece by piece? Mm-hmm. Damn. We, yeah, we, he brought it there, we put it together in the driveway. Was it like on a massive trailer or like multiple trips or what? We, I don't yeah. know how we got it there. Uh, how you transport a vert ramp there, across country. <laughs> that, he, they got it there. And, yeah. we, and we put it up in Lenny's driveway. And then for, to raise money for the skate park, we took it all back down again and brought it to the ski resort. Huh. Set it up right at the bottom where the ski lifts are. Damn. And had a demo. And then took it all back down again. Moved it <laughs> back to Lenny's. We made, it, we made it wider at that point. So while all that's going on, like there was a because of I mean a lot of people that snowboard not a lot but the skateboarders that snowboarded kind of bonded together yeah and there was maybe fifteen or twenty of us maybe and and we had our own little skate scene and it's like if you wanted to skate the only thing that was to skate was that burnt ramp you couldn't even push down the street because the streets weren't gravel but because of all the snow on them and plowing them they were like super rough so it's like if you wanted to skate that was all there was to skate so while all that's going on the city approved the skate park and they gave $75,000 I think for us to build a park sick and somehow those dudes convinced the city to not put it out to bid and allow them to build it Oh, okay. So they they brought in um, Red from Burnside. No shit. They brought in this other dude, Omer Wyndham from Florida, who had built. I don't know what park in Florida, to be honest. I yeah. think Daytona or something. But but they kind of knew what they 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 had had experience, obviously. Yeah, because with at, concrete at this point, there probably wasn't a whole lot of public knowledge on how to build skate parks. Like nowadays, like no. everyone knows how to build DIY shit. No. But. and there started to be. There started to be concrete parks in Colorado. There was one in um, Grand Junction, and there was one in Durango, but they weren't built by skateboarders. They were built, you know, by sidewalk people. Yeah, so they look yeah. grab and you roll up to them. You're like, holy shit, this looks like the shit I used to see when I was a kid. But when you tried to ride them, they, did yeah. not, they didn't actually ride. Cracks in the wrong place and, and stuff like that. And that's what Lenny yeah. was, like, nervous about and how he convinced the city, like, let us do it. Yeah. We're going to bring these other two dudes in. They're going to show us how to do it, and we're just going to do it. And there's, there's a plaque on the on the bowl, and it says, it said, like, if I'm going down, you're going down with me. And everyone <laughs> thought that was, like, a skateboarding reference. Like, if I'm going down in the bowl, you're going down in the bowl with me. But it was a quote of, like, the mayor talking to the head of the recreation department saying, if we do this and let these dudes do this, which I guess is illegal because you're supposed to put out the bid and all that. Oh, yeah, yeah, true. So if, politi- if politically I'm going down for letting <laughs> you do this, politically I'm taking you down with me. Oh, shit. And that, that plaque still sits there. <laughs> That's epic. Yeah. What park is this? 
Crested Butte. Okay. But that was in 1997. It's, it's still there? Still there. Hell yeah. Still there. In 1997, like, I think Thrasher still does it. Those T. Eddie Awards. Mm-hmm. So, best new skate park, period, was Crested wow. Butte, Colorado. Hell so yeah. it was like Burnside. I mean, I'm sure there might have been some other thing. And then Crested Butte. So people yeah. from all over the country were flocking to Crested Butte. Rad. Because it was the the really, I mean, outside of Burnside was really the only skater-built concrete bowl Damn. that there was. And, and you were you were right there for it, huh? Right there. I mean, I got to be part of the whole Did you help process. build it? Yeah. Oh, sick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was part of the crew that was getting paid up. to build it. Yeah. yeah. What did you go to college for? I, mean, I majored in I majored in sociology and minored in archaeology. Okay, but did you already have like some building and construction knowledge at all, or? Uh, well, we like built ramps and launch ramps. Yeah. Okay. When I was younger, like that, I was more like the person that was skating the stuff that other people, yeah, had yeah. built. When those ramps would come, when the Burt ramp came from Florida, Lenny and them like put a drill in my hand yeah yeah and really that was my first like experience starting to build and seeing like this is how you get to have something like this is you do it yeah you you build it and then when the park was built i mean all i did was tie rebar had a little rebar tire (laughs) and i would tie the rebar and that was really it they make like a little machine that does that now yeah, yeah. This is like a little twisty yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's hilarious. Like, but, yeah. but yeah, I was always there for that. Did you have it like on the spool? A little spool. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I think we, I used the ones that had two little, they were like individual wires with a little circle on each end that you would hook the loop. Like oh, okay. Put the hook through the two circles. Kind of like you're making a little knot or something. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. So but, it's kind of like they let me be part of that. Sure. Thing. And then I was involved in like maintaining it and rules and I mean that that yeah. So so here here's a crazy uh, thing to think about. There probably hadn't been a concrete skate park in anywhere that was that cold before. Did you have to take into account like oh like the the weather's gonna make the concrete act differently or anything? Um, I wouldn't have been part of that decision yeah. process. But yes, it would. It, dude, there was so much snow there that so not only. Does it snow like 350 inches a year? But the skate park was right next to the skating rink. It's an outdoor skating rink. Uh-huh. So they would blow the snow off the skating rink oh, over shit. on top of the bowl. Damn. And the first year we were super motivated because it was new. So I think it was like February we went out there. I mean, like you're st- like I know the bowls down below here somewhere. You started shoveling. Started shoveling. <laughs> we shoveled out. Like this, the the shallow end was two pockets that spined together, uh-huh. and we like shoveled out just that, just the half pipe. There was still snow in the pocket, and then we shoveled out the pocket, and then we shoveled out one of the little dog ear things. And That's then a we grind. Shoveled out the other side. Sounds like a pain in the ass. <laughs> it was it was a lot of work, <laughs> and I remember there was Crested Butte had this rad thing that for like three weeks at the end of the season, they had free ski. You oh, word. You didn't have to pay for your ticket. Didn't roll matter up, who you were, just free for anybody? Up, Holy yeah, shit. Free ski. And, and, and the point was to extend the financial season for the ski area. Like, we're not going to make any money on selling lift tickets, but people are going to come and stay in the hotels, eat at the restaurants, 
And so okay. we can still get money that way rather than just closing. Yeah. And because Crested Butte was so far away from other resorts, they needed to persuade people. Like That's a good point. Dr- drive by Breckenridge, drive by Vale, drive by Copper, drive by all those mountains, and then drive by Monarch, and then drive two more hours <laughs> to yeah. get there. So how can we get people to come here? Yeah. So is Crested Butte in like northwest Colorado? It would be considered southwest. Oh, no way. Southwest. On a, on a map, I mean, kind of people know where Aspen is on a map. Crested Butte and Aspen are like 20 miles apart from each other. Yeah, just out of curiosity. As, as the crow flies. But like in the winter time to drive from Crested Butte to Aspen would take like seven hours or something. Oh, no way. Yeah. The Continental Divide. Okay, I, I see where it's at now. The Continental yeah. Divide goes in between Crested Butte and Aspen. Cool. Yeah, okay, I gotcha. But is, I, is, that, that my is, that near, is that near Colorado Springs? No, Colorado Springs is... Um, oh, that's a little south of Denver. Okay, yeah, yeah. I don't know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, we're a ways but. away from there. But that year we were digging out that bowl, a bunch of guys from Florida had come because it was free ski. And they like made the final push, and we dug the whole bowl out. Damn. So we were skating. And, Sick. But if, if, if no one dug that bowl out, you probably wouldn't be able to skate it until like May. Yeah. I mean, as an example, the last year I lived there, it snowed 100 inches in May. Damn. In May, yeah. yeah it's, we were skating because we were shoveling out, but That's terrible. T- tons of snow. <laughs> but I, I can't imagine they probably thought of any ad or something to put into the concrete, being that it was the first one. Yeah. That first, so that it got finished in 1997. So just that like... summer of 1998, it's like every single weekend there would be people come in there that you know Tony Alva or you know, Peter Q whoever every weekend van those of people <clears throat> from all over the country or <clears throat> excuse me come in there yep. which was awesome absolutely you know, it was awesome to like just meet those people I mean that's how I met Chet and a lot of the people oh, okay. even the people that I that I when I there was a crew of people from Newport Rhode Island that also lived in Crested Butte Tom Finn he was one of the ones that helped build the bowl so tons of guys from Newport would go visit them that were skaters. So I met I met those dudes, which is part of when I finally did leave Crested Butte, which is how I linked up with those guys in right in Newport. But once, I mean, that was 98. I, I left there late, late 99. And I think kind of what happened was a, a lot of the people that really pushed for that skate park, and, and then we got it, and then we spent a couple of years skateboarding. At, at least this is my story where, like, I'm way more into skateboarding. Like, why do I live somewhere that it you, snows? You, you can only skate half the year. Yeah, yeah, only skate half the year. It, yeah. it like it doesn't rain in Crested Butte. It wouldn't rain from October 1st till June 10th. Fuck, it's snowing. You yeah, know what I mean? That's insane. If something's coming from the sky, it's snow. It would <laughs> snow all year round. It snowed six inches on the Fourth of July. Yeah. But do you know about what elevation Crested Butte's yes. at? Eight thousand eight hundred and eighty-five feet. Okay. I always remember that. Yeah. Eight 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 five. Damn. Yeah, we would design these stickers and we would put the eight 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 five on there. That's up there. <laughs> but it was yeah, it was it was cold as hell. It was an awesome time, and there was there, there was so many times that during that couple of year period that I would be like, the best skateboarding in the world is happening right here, right now. There's no way that that's crazy. That, yeah. No way that this is happening somewhere else Damn. because it would be the locals who, you know, we were like, we were stoked. And we were young, and we were wanting to get some. And <laughs> you know, and then like like people that you're have been looking up to come rolling up there, 
in the, not that you were like trying to one up them. It wasn't like that, but like just like oh, I'm skating with these people that I've been looking up to. Like I want to rip, and oh yeah, like I want to see them clap their board for me or something. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. just the skateboarding thing. Like yep. so the, for that couple year period, it was fucking sick. But then we all everyone left. Everyone that was involved in the building of that and that whole process, a, a, a lot of us left because, at least for me, I can't say why they left. But like, I want to be able to skate, yeah, all year round and not be. And I had graduated from college, so like, so you were just there, hanging out. Yeah, living there became different. Where I got a little bit of help from my family, you know, helping me out with my rent or whatever, and working part time. So between my parents helping me a little bit and working a part-time job, I could make it. But once I graduated, my parents weren't going to help me anymore. So now I'm working a full-time job and can't snowboard as much because I have to go to work. So now you're staring out at... I mean, one. I mean, if it's snowing like a hundred inches in one snowstorm, yeah, that's that didn't happen every year. That's insane. But twice, (laughs) one hundred inch, ridiculous, right? Damn. And like you want to be snowboarding, but you're. Painting houses. That's what I did. I painted houses. Yeah, gotcha. And ended up moving back. So that. And did that, you? I was going to say that year that it snowed a hundred inches in May. I was like, the next time it snows, I'm leaving. <laughs> so it was like the next October, mid October that it snowed the first time, and I flew back to Massachusetts. I've been yeah. going back there, and that I was talking earlier about Skater Island. Yeah. And we would. I go skate there when I went home to visit. I was like, you know, I could. I could live here. You're like, damn, this is kind of sick, huh? Like, this park is sick. Yeah. I could live here. And so that was late 99 yeah. that I... And you're already kind of back. familiar with the area. You had friends mm-hmm. and family Mike there. Brown, so, so. Mike Brown still lived there. Nice. There's another guy, Pat Murphy. We met him our freshman year of college at Western State. He was from Massachusetts. So when I would go back to visit, I'd always call Pat. So Pat and Brownie had met and they skated together. So as soon as I came back, like I already had my crew and that's when I started meeting the people from yep. Attleboro and yeah so, uh, were you involved in Skater Island in any other capacity just no, in skating it just skateboarding You're, okay gotcha just skateboarding cool the, at, that, that's the, the when I moved back the 5-9 bowl what's a bowl now was just a ramp and they'd have all kinds of work days and, and we would roll up and help on the work days and, but still at that time I mean I I would help out, but I was just helping out. Mm-hmm. And and that's when I was kind of learning what it took to have a place like that. And then yeah. I never intended on staying there. I, I moved back there for a girl, and that didn't work out immediately. But I was still glad to be back there, and my parents were going to... Re- my mom was going to retire from school te- being a school teacher. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, I, I'm doing construction stuff and I can help them renovate the house and do what they got to do to get the house on the market and when that's done I'm out and then five years went by and I knew I didn't want to be staying there and I, that's why I actually I started writing a letter to at that time I was in Massachusetts Brownie had already moved here Andy Garula who was my super good friend in Colorado he ended up being really good friends with Tim and EJ and Brownie just from them coming to visit mm-hmm. in Colorado. And then, like, so Andy kind of became part of our crew. So Andy had already moved here. Mike Brown lived here. EJ lived in San Diego. Tim lived in San Francisco. I was in Mass. And I started writing this letter 
And I'd be all, I'd be all banged up. I'd be like, oh, we all, we're all single. We all still skate. You know, we're just getting into our 30s. Let's figure out a place to live. Damn. Denver, maybe. San Diego, maybe. But Andy and Brownie are already in Wilmington. You know, so as I'm writing this, I'm like, I'm, go- I'm going down to visit Andy and Brownie. Came down and visited stoked on it they like oh, already yeah. had a little mini ramp in the backyard so I'm still writing Tim and EJ and it's like a months long letter and wow so the letter ends like I'm moving to Wilmington and you guys should come check it out no way and then eventually we all ended up here but I guess kind of my point of that is so now we're in Wilmington Andy's got a ramp in his backyard and there isn't like those older guys from Colorado or the five nine guys that are building the stuff that I was able to skate mm-hmm. or, or be able to help with even, you know what I mean? Like, and now we're here. It's like, damn that we need to do that. Totally. Like, cause, cause when you moved down here, there wasn't anything to skate other than the, the ramp and the, and park was, the Greenfield was there. Greenfield was, okay. Greenfield was there. I mean, there was Wilmington. Oh yeah. Has a rich skate history. Yeah, I'm, I'm forgetting. This we, isn't... we got here for sure. Okay. Like we didn't start any type of, yeah, I, I think we brought it to the next level. I got my timeline kind of yeah. fucked up. Greenfield was around 2001, 2002? I think so. Okay. I think so. Yeah. yeah. It, sounds it was right. here in 2003. That's when Andy moved here. And Skate Barn was already here? Skate Barn was here. That, this is, that's been there for a long skate time, barn, right? Skate Barn, yeah. I think that's like the longest running indoor park on the East Coast, maybe, or something. I think yeah. them and Kona go back and forth of who we're, actually we're, is or something like that. I'm not sure. Yeah, we're claiming It's been it. there forever. Yeah. It's been there forever. <laughs> oh, so yeah. there already was a scene here. That's part of why I was stoked to move here. Gotcha. Like, I mean, I was living back there. I was living in Plymouth still. And that's an hour to Boston, an hour to Attlebar. So for me to skate anything real, I'd have to make that drive. And I moved here, and there was like a whole group of people I guess at the time when I was 30, I felt like I was old. But there was tons of other 30 some odd skateboarders here where like it didn't seem weird that like I still skateboarded. (laughs) Where the Poven I was living back in Plymouth, it it was like that. But that is like, so they had that half pipe. It was like, it's a four foot tall, eight foot wide Mm -hmm. little half pipe. And I would start to call my five nine friends and like, so how do you build a corner? like? Talk to me on the phone. Like, how do you do this? And that's Damn. that's really when it went from being like riding things that other people were building to kind of becoming the people that were providing. Providing. Sick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Love that, man. I, mean, I didn't even have like tool tools. Like, you know, it wasn't until I moved here that I was like, oh, I, I guess I need to get a circular saw. And I yeah. guess I need to get, if we're going to be building these things, we need to get some tools. Andy had tools, but... And that's when we started, immediately, we started, someone else gave us another ramp, and then we, like, hipped off the ramp he had, and built, like, a little doorway going from ramp to ramp, and then we got some more wood, and turned that into, like, a, it ended up being, like, a super steep half pipe. And the only reason it was steep is the, 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 the ramp, the mini ramp was steep, mm-hmm. and we, but we wanted it to be six feet tall. Well, the, the mini ramp had, like, five and a half foot trannies. So when we built it up to six foot tall, it ended up having like six inches of vert on it. Yes. And we skated it like that, I think for like maybe a year. It was super gnarly. Yeah, it sounds tight. It was tight, the coping Mm -hmm. stuck out too much. We were like, (laughs) oh no, make it stick out more. That's not enough. 
trial and error. It took a long time. Yeah. I, th- I think I just learned that lesson like five years ago. Like <laughs> Fifteen years, like making the coping stick out way too much and getting denied on a scratch grind. You finally <laughs> realize, like, you know what? There's noping, and then you push it forward a little bit, and that's per- perfect coping. <laughs> okay. They don't trust your eye. Yeah. You're going to think it looks too small, but that's actually perfect coping. But then yeah. we ended up bowling in the other end. We bowled in one end. We kept that same tranny and made it seven foot tall oververt. The, yeah, the whole end of that bowl was all oververt. That sounds pretty insane. And then escalated back down to the six foot height. And then damn. that next year, and that was in 2007. I moved here in 2005. 2007, we bowled in the other end. Word. And we actually changed the transition when we made it, the transition grow bigger because we're like, this, it's just too fucking steep. You know, it was a six foot tall vert ramp. So that other side, we brought up to seven foot at seven foot training. Yeah. And then we, we that, I mean, I wrote this down one time. That was 2007. And we skated that until almost immediately because the wood that we were using was not pressure treated. Like as soon as we finished this side, then where we started was rotting away. Damn. So immediately it was like, all right, we've got to rip this part back up and relayer it and that ramp only lasted I think to like 2010 and it was we could tell there was shit going on and we're like dude we need to take all the skate light off and like see what we've got going on underneath here and we took everything up and it was like potato chips the, damn you know like you could take like a rake and like rake out the plywood it was just <laughs> wood chips yeah and we ended up we started to uh, we had like a burn barrel and we'd take like a little bit of powder time and burn it but it was a whole bowl. Yeah. We weren't getting very far. So they're like, oh, let's make two burn barrels. Be twice as fast. And then we made like a like a lot of brick. We just made a big circle and we started burning it. And, and finally one day we just took gas and poured it on the rest of the ramp to fucking lift the thing on fire. <laughs> the flames were like taller than the house. <laughs> Sounds Nothing sketchy. happened. I mean, we got rid of it. Yeah. Bowl was gone. That's like the definition of going out in a blaze of glory. <laughs> you guys torch that fucking we thing, huh? It. Yeah, and that's, that's what they up. called someone. Someone went there and like, dude, this thing's a crater. <laughs> Some people will call it the man ramp. I huh. just didn't like that. Yeah, it's a I was weird like, name. I don't know. It's a weird name. Yeah, you go into the man ramp, and then some people call it like the Franken ramp. And, but huh. then when that dude came over, I was like, man, this thing's like a crater. Like, yeah, that'll yes, stick. Yes, it is. It's the crater. The crater. I'd love to see pictures or videos of it. They're, yeah, yeah, they're out there. Yeah. It, 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 it would never have been something that we would have like planned to build. Mm-hmm. It was only because we already had the ramps with that yeah. transition on it. I hear you. That it ended up being that gnarly. And that's that, when we when we did burn in town is when we sold that skate light and sheet metal to, to Alex. But when we were... We built it, and we built it out of plywood, and it just wasn't... We were trying to cover it with tarps, and it, it just doesn't work. Yeah. And then it rained on it, and it was too slow to get to the top because it had vert. And we started looking for skate light, that same skate light that Alex ended up building his trowels out of. Hell yeah. But we were... We hunted down skate light at Skatopia. Bruce Martin had the skate light from the Gravity Games. No shit. And Clint... Clint 
got in touch with him and we drove there. We rented a van and we Wait, drove. Clint, uh, Clint, Clint Childress. Childress? Yeah. Sick. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm, and, I'm slowly putting the pieces yeah, together. Yeah. I'm, and, I'm getting like and, a full blown history we, lesson we drove, right now. We drove to Skatopia and we bought that skate like that Damn. had been at the Gravity Games and drove it back to Wilmington and put it on. Was he letting it go pretty cheap? Like, why not just buy your own skate light from whatever? It was, it was a lot cheaper. Yeah, okay. I mean, skate lights... Was, like, was it already, like, chopped up? Yeah, and like, all little pieces. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, so all, you, you had to puzzle piece it together? Yeah. Some pieces, some pieces were full. I think he let us have X amount of, like, full sheets. Yeah. And then he's like, only this many full sheets, and then the rest of it has to be... Yeah. The, they already have, like, the Gravity Games have, like, a color scheme. On, on their skate light, you know, like so. When the Gravity Games were in Providence, Rhode Island, those dudes, the five nine guys, got that skate light. So the Attlebauer Bowl had that same color scheme of the Gravity Games color scheme all mishmashed together. So mm-hmm. this stuff that we got from Skatopia, we we're stoked when we got there. We're like, damn, it's got the same paint job as the Attlebauer Bowl. <laughs> So for a while we wouldn't paint the when we put it on there we wouldn't paint it because we're like fuck that dude it's got yeah. the same fucking paint as the Attleboro Bowl. Yep. But eventually we ended up painting it. Yeah. And so to to anyone who hasn't listened to all of the backstory on Alex's episode, the Crater Bowl skate light, which came from the Gravity Games, then ended up being recycled and reused for Alex's trowels, which are now being used to, like, finish skate parks all yep. around the country, you know? like Had, it's, a, had a pit stop here in Sunset Park yeah. on the Crater Bowl. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Yeah. T- talk about a fucking... Good- I think that's right. When I listened to the episode the other day, I was just stoked to think about, yeah, that, that skate light is out there in the DIY world right now. Yeah. Smooth out concrete. That's amazing. It's fucking sick. <laughs> yeah. Pretty funny. Right on. Uh, at what point did... So, let's see what year this is. You said the crater, y'all burnt it down in like 2007-ish? No, no. no, no we finished bowling it in 2007. Okay. And by 2010, it, gotcha. was, it had rotted away. Gotcha. How long has Shred Crust been around? That's a good question. Yeah. Was there ever like a start? Or yeah, was, yeah. Was it oh, just totally. A, okay. There was a, so we had that. That was the crater bowl. There was another ramp on the other side of Sunset Park that our friend Ross Rogers. That was his ramp. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, we were pissed because our ramp was steel. You know, we're, we're building this bowl, and it's really we wanted to build it for like people to skate. Yeah. And so they get donated a mini ramp with steel on it. Oh shit. And we just like the expectation. I mean, it was our bad, but our expectation was, you're going to give us that ramp, right? I mean, oh, shit. we're building a bowl over here. You're not going to take the ramp over there and build your own thing. Like, this, like we need the steel, oh, hell yeah. Shit. And they're like, oh, oh, you're, you're building, oh, you're bringing us to your house? Damn. You know, I'm going to interrupt real quick. There's some, like, funny ramp drama going on in Charlotte right now. I'll leave the names out, but so one guy has a vert ramp. Right, he doesn't want it anymore. His kids don't skate it. He just wants it gone. So he's like, "Yo, I'll sell it for dirt cheap to whoever wants to take it apart." But the only stipulation is it has to remain a vert ramp. But so this one dude was like, "Oh, for sure." Like he buys it, but him and his homie split it, and they're going to build two smaller ramps. So he kind of went back on the deal, and then it's like, "Oh no, you can't do that." And they had to go back and work something out, and like you know, now it's 
apparently still going to be a vert ramp somewhere else. It so does seem like people do get attached to their yeah. ramps. You know what yeah, I mean? yeah. But I'll see that too, where people try to sell expensive. Yeah. Like, I put $10,000 in this thing. I'll sell it for six. It's yeah. like, what you have is actually just a bunch of trash. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That's what I it mean, is. I mean, to, to be fair, this guy was selling like a 10 foot, like probably 30 foot wide vert ramp for like $2,000. He yeah. just wanted it gone. That's yeah. like $30,000 worth of material, you know, like he just needed it out of there. So, so that, that was our bad. And we were at Jerick and we went to Ross's. It was his birthday party. And, Brownie's like, I'm gonna go over there. I'm gonna throw up on the ramp. <laughs> like, ah, let's go! Oh hell! <laughs> and he Not- did, but he didn't do it. And I ended up, I ended up breaking a beer bottle on the on the ramp. And, Damn! Not, and not- then we didn't get. We, so now there's like a beef oh, between shit. the pink crack and oh, the crater. So, and so, so this was Danger Ross. Danger Ross. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Rest his soul. So he yes. And so he's. That you, know, you ruined my birthday. <laughs> yeah. So then, then we finished when we finished the bowl. And that's just me and Andy and Brownies. Like, no one's coming over. <laughs> like, dude, we need some people to oh, come skate with. Because nobody liked you because you'd caused a scene. Or, or I don't know yeah. if they didn't like us. Or <laughs> so then we we went over there. Nice. And like, dude, the bowl's done. Let's squash this and so then it was over immediately oh yeah and now they're all over there and now we start focusing on that bull that ramp over there the pink crack ramp that was another i mean it wasn't bowled in like the crater was more like a elaborate mini ramp with they had a corner and a door and it was sick so we would skate the crater every wednesday and then every single uh friday we would um go skate the pink crack ramp and i mean that went on for years and the pink crack ramp outlived the crater but it, it, it kind of rewinded a little bit that letter I was talking about yeah um, Tim ends up moving here and so when Tim moved here he had the concept of a band right name Shred Crust lyrics that he had written skateboard like a whole notebook full of skateboard poetry damn and he'd be like oh our band like oh Maddie's the bass player Guru is the drummer Clint's the guitar player you'd tell people Oh, our band. We, well, we're in a band. Like, dude, quit saying that. He would fake it like, till he made it. We can't even play instruments. <laughs> and then Ross, you know, he he was a bass player, and Ross was like, "Dude, I have my old bass and amp." He's like, "150 bucks." He's like, "Just stop playing it. Just just play it. Like, you got it. You guys can do it." And yeah. So I bought it from him, and uh, Garula bought drums, and Clint had played guitar a little bit, like in high school. Yeah. And he like drug out his old guitar, and that was. I'm trying to think if it's either it's either ten years or twelve years. Damn! Oh yeah. That, and it was New Year's Day, and we set up the shed in the backyard. Yeah, it had to have been. It was 2009 or 10. Mm-hmm. The crater was still there. I know the crater was gone in 2010. We were practicing while that bowl was still there. I hear that. So we just went out there in the shed, and we're like, all right. We, like like the like the fret the dots on the fret like this one and the third one one and the sixth one and we're yeah like, all right first dot and then skip the other dot to the third dot and then yeah. back to the second <laughs> dot fast <laughs> and we just started doing that yeah and That's just sick. started fucking around out there and like pretty quickly taking Tim's skateboard poetry and putting it to music uh-huh. I might as well Tori 
I can't remember Tori's last name, but she's like a musician from San Francisco. She's the one that would strum along, and Tim would sing his skateboard poetry along to it. So she was the original Shred Cross member, but oh, she, gotcha. she came to visit here after Tim moved here, and you know she's strumming her guitar, and Tim singing along, and that's when Ross gave me that bass, and I probably spent like three months like trying to learn learn mm-hmm. it before that January first day, and yeah, and that means I can never stop since then and it was like only a few months later that um, the Thrasher Skate Rock Tour came through Wilmington is that that why is that why Jake Phelps was here because there's like a little video of him and Chet shooting the shit on his porch or something like that probably I mean Chet was here Skate Rock Tour Chet was on that tour yeah and here and we ended up opening that um, damn that's a sick one yeah Yeah. what venue was that at it's Soapbox it's gone now Gotcha. Yeah. It was a rad spot downtown. That's what's up. We used to do to raise money to make money for the crater. When we would build those new sections, we would do um, we did it every week, which was its demise because it was it was a lot of work. But we would do a game of skate every single Tuesday, and mm-hmm. we would do like flat ground. Then we would bring a like a manual box in there. We would bring a quarter pipe in there. I think we had four obstacles. This is what's currently the space. No, it's currently oh, okay. the fucking Waffle House, but. The soapbox venue had two stories. Upstairs okay. was a big venue. Downstairs was a smaller venue, but it, it, it small or big enough that you could like skate. No shit. You could push All right, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And like so set up and do a trick. So you like playing shows while you're. This, this, that, that, that was actually pre shred crust. Oh, okay, I gotcha. In so that what? same venue. It reminded me when you brought up that venue, the soapbox, but. Okay, we, I gotcha. We, we, this is before we were banned. Cool. Right before we were banned. No, that's still a good side story, though, like renting out a venue just to host, like, like just to let people skate in. It's just in a it. bar. <laughs> it was a bar. Yeah. Like people in there drinking, and we'd have our PA set up, and we would commentate a game of skate every single week. <laughs> that's Prizes, sick. and we'd do raffle tickets. Yeah. And, I think that's how we made the money. Just raffle tickets and the bartender. They would give the bar gave us a certain amount of money Mm -hmm. because a bunch of people came in there and they gave us a certain amount of money. That's how we were raising money to. uh, So this that's that's later. So down the line, we end up playing that show at the soapbox and something happened where like um, bad shit was playing. Andy, who he was our drummer, he. he was our first drummer. He threw a beer can up on stage and it hit Tony, Tony T, whatever, and he jumped off the stage. And oh fuck, Andy! Damn, bit him. he bit him on the thigh. Wait, wait, that's fucking hilarious. Because I had asked, I, I'd seen something in Skate Boner that was like, "Don't ask or like, don't tell Gur dude TNT's your favorite skater or something." That's it. That's and, what it is. and now I get to the bottom of it. That's it. So what, dude? Hucked a beer can at. TNT. At the stage. Yeah, yeah. It hit him. And he jumped off the he stage. He took it personal. Took it and personal. it was on. Yeah. <laughs> so who bit who? Tony T bit him. No way. He bit Andy <laughs> on the thigh. <laughs> like, a, like a perfect bruise of his mouth. I know. Teeth. You got to give it to him, dude. That's pretty punk. <laughs> it is. You're going to bite someone? <laughs> it's funny. It be, it's, it's become a show. It wasn't even a big deal. I'm, I'm sure. It was just like, some... Tony T bites. People writing that on the grip tape. <laughs> Uh, it was a rad experience so, yeah. to to do that and, and then we, we have a record someone someone that we knew someone that we knew that involved with the scene had a house fire oh shit so we, we did a fundraiser for them at the soapbox mm-hmm. 
I think that was in like June or July of that year, and someone recorded it. The sound guy recorded it, and like I try to listen to that now, and I can't even listen to it. I, mean, I can't believe that we were that awful <laughs> playing out, and it's so bad that I can't bring myself to even listen to it because I'm embarrassed for myself. That's fucking hilarious. We were not good. Yeah, well, that's funny because you would think of like a lot of musicians like. A lot of musicians have that experience where, like, they look back and it's like, oh, I, I was so bad when I first started. And they have, like, embarrassing, cringy stuff like that. But that's usually back when they were, like, 10 years old. And you, guys, I, you guys are, like, in your 30s right. and you suck. Musically, we were 10. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, we, I was 34. I was 34. Yeah. When, yeah, 34 years old. Dude, but fucking respect for starting a band in your 30s. <laughs> it like, was that's, that's rad. Yeah. yeah. I mean, probably kind of started as, like, a lighthearted fuck around thing and then you realize you were actually kind of sick and people liked it and you're like fuck we we'll just keep kept going. doing it i don't even know how long we sucked for we used to we used to warn the crowd like <laughs> this is what happens when skateboarders get bored we're sorry <laughs> we'll stop playing just open it up hell yeah but that's sick yeah it was fun right and we just never really stopped it. i think it was because really we had like we had friends that were musicians mm-hmm. and they just liked us as people i'm like these dudes are going for it like yeah Let's have them open up for us, and and that's when we start to play it a lot. Like, but like playing next to a ramp or playing at a bowl and like Chatham County showdowns. We yeah. would play at those. And you had asked if I had ever seen you guys, and I said no. But I I do think actually you played at a Asheville Foundation fundraiser one time. Cool. We did. Yeah, yeah. I, I was there for that. Yeah, I remember that. We played there a couple of times. Vaguely, but yeah, I mean, you guys are all over the place. Super integral to the kind of skate backyard scene you know what I mean like that's where we thrive I think. exactly I do enjoy playing out there's something just something kind of fun about like being on stage and having a sound guy and lights and all that and yeah. playing and people cheering I don't know something there is something cool about that but where I feel like we thrive is like playing next to the bowl yeah 100% yeah uh, yeah my, I was saying earlier my sisters live in Asheville. So for yeah, ever since I've moved here, I've been going up there to mm-hmm. visit them. And I think it was actually at the Chatham County Showdown that I met Alex and Will and this dude Chris Rodriguez. Word. And they were from Asheville. So yeah, like, yeah. oh hell yeah! When I go see my sister, I'll call you guys. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I got to know them. And so I mean, pre-COVID, I was I'd be in Asheville. I mean, I try to go there four times a year. Damn, so I yeah. felt like I was like kind of part and still am you know kind of part of that scene and consider those guys close friends so that's mm-hmm. how we end up playing at those foundation fundraisers is yeah. well A I can go visit my sister and my nephews yeah. and get to play at that and help them I mean Asheville has raise an amazing yeah Asheville has an amazing scene yeah um, were you saying you're friends with Will Fort, mm-hmm. Fort, mm-hmm. Fortinbaugh mm-hmm. yeah I mean the, what, what everyone's doing for him and you know what he's been able to give back is like that's just such a beautiful example of how humanity can like still be a yeah. positive thing and in, in that, tough like, times, we, you know. Like Charleston, Wilmington, Raleigh, Richmond, and Asheville scenes, and Charlotte, like the park show, super connected together. Yeah, where people are moving from one spot to another spot. If there's an event, you are there. Will be people from Charleston there, from Richmond, from mm-hmm. Asheville from Raleigh you know we, we do those Sunset Park of the Road events every year oh yeah, yeah know, we, we get teams that come from all those places we, we, yeah we gotta talk about that for sure but yeah that's sick well so what's like the songwriting process for Shredcrest 
most of the songs have already like when Tim moved here from San Francisco we had that notebook so a lot of the songs are already written so it's mm-hmm. more like we'll we'll write the music and then Tim decides what song in his notebook he wants to gotcha yeah but along with the music I wrote one song I wrote Daily Grind Garula wrote uh, Six Pack Skate Park all the other songs have been written by Tim and then like the music is a combination there's some songs that Clint writes it all the way through there's other songs that so Clint's, Clint's guitar your bass yep. Garula's drums Garula was drums okay Mike Brown's drums gotcha and then Brownie Brownie's drums <laughs> Tim sings Clint guitar I play bass and then now Zach is our keyboard player oh sick got some keys up in there yeah he plays right a, on. a synthesizer yeah Andy Andy I, I forget when Andy just didn't want to do it anymore yeah and so Chuck Cross went on hiatus for probably like a year and a half yeah and in that time Zach can play the piano so in that time I had my bass at his house and I just we just mess around and I'd play Shred Cross songs and he'd play along with it yeah and then Brownie he he the way I explained him as a drummer he was never in a band he was in the band like he was the drummer of his high school marching band whatever okay word and he played the drum kit along with the the band and mm-hmm. or in the marching band he played the one that's strapped around so he's like a trained drummer oh cool he was never like in a rock and roll band gotcha and eventually I, I kept we kept trying to convince him to join the band and, and I think eventually I was like you don't need to join the band just come to band practice and okay. see what you think yeah and and he he came and went smooth and he's he's stoked he's on it been in it ever ever since fuck yeah that's right. and then I, I, wish, I don't know maybe like within a year of us getting back together again um cause Zach had already known some of our songs and like I always envisioned it'd be sick to have a like a like a church organ sound coming into Human Death Box Whoa. so we were like yeah Zach come in just come and play that intro to Human Death Box and so <laughs> We kind of joke around, like, we invited the keyboard player over for one practice, and the dude still hasn't left, so now we have a keyboard player. But <laughs> Dope. It's rad, though. It yeah. adds, like, a perfect, like, like a layer that wasn't there. That When you're only three instruments and, you know, two guitars, you know, sometimes if Clint just hits that note and strums away, it's just me. Yeah. You know what I mean? But with Zach there, it always has that extra layer. Dope. And it's rad. Yeah, I'd say a lot of my favorite bands are like five pieces instead of four. Yeah. Yeah, it just makes like a fuller sound. But so any like frustrations with people uh, slacking and and not doing their homework and learning the songs before practice, like you're saying, like practicing instruments versus band practice? I mean, that does frustrate me sometimes, but it's a lot of it's it, it, it is a lot of work yeah. and everyone's in it, in it for a different reason and I and I do know that you know I have my goals and things that I want to do and if other people don't do that then it's something that I need to live with you know yeah. but I mean there's always frustration and, and, and <laughs> I, we were off air we were, I was just talking about that it's you're, you're, you're in a relationship with it's five of us you know we're in a relationship yeah and 
yeah, we get frustrated with each other. People get frustrated with me. I get frustrated with people sometimes. I mean, I think I've stormed out of practice one time at least. <laughs> other people have too. Yeah. You know, it doesn't come to blows or anything, but yeah. sometimes we just need to sit. I mean, sometimes we'll just have like a meeting. <laughs> like, all right, what are we trying to accomplish? But, yeah. But, I mean, that's a very small part of what the whole experience is. Yeah, of course. Overall, it's... Cause you're all fucking awesome, and you're all like friends, anyways. So you're like you're gonna argue with your friends regardless of whether you're in a band together or not. Or not. <laughs> it, it helps us to not take it personally. Of like, course, yeah. Oh, I'm not gonna talk. I quit. I'm never talking to this dude again. Like, no. no. We argued the other day about how wide we should make this board. We're fixing a ramp or something. It's like, <laughs> this is another, this is another argument. That's all. And, That's why. But yeah, I mean, overall, it's awesome. And and I trip on that. Well, like. Because I've had this same group of friends for so long that, you know, like Clint's one of my new friends. Mm-hmm. Known him for 17 years. You know, <laughs> Zach's an even newer friend. I've only known him for 13 years. <laughs> but, but, but when I'm in that room, it's like, I'm looking at Tim, the dude that I was in Boy Scout camp with in 1986. <laughs> and we were fucking playing skate rock together. And there's Brownie. There's Brownie right next to me. Yeah. Like we're the rhythm section of a fucking skate rock band together. <laughs> This oh, is yeah. fucking insane. No and doubt. That, that, I mean, I trip on that all the time. The stoke level of the band is way more than any, like, arguments or anything. Like Fuck that, yeah. That, that we have. Yeah, and that's why sure. you do it. Yeah. That's rad. Fuck yeah. Um, yeah, well, what's good with the space? How did the space come into the picture? Um, and for those who don't know, like, what's the model? Like, how does that work? Well, the, it, it started with, um, we built, our friend BJ Tarr, he lives in um, Beaufort, North Carolina, a couple hours north of here, Moorhead City. He um, he moved down here for like, he'd always be around, but he lived up there. Mm-hmm. He worked down here, and so he was around a lot, but him and his family moved here, and they we built a ramp in his backyard. Yeah. And so I think maybe 30, I think 40, 40 feet wide. Damn. Mini ramp, skate light, is super tight. And Wilmington has, um, like, our noise ordinance is if someone thinks you're being loud, then you're being too loud. Damn. So it's not like the cops pull up with a decibel meter and gauge the noise. It's like yeah. your neighbor called the police on you. Here's strike one. Damn. I think strike five or six, you get a fine. Mm-hmm. The police would come there. They were embarrassed to be like, I don't know why your neighbor's calling us. Like, we couldn't even find the ramp because we couldn't hear you. Fuck. But here's a warning. And I think it got to be, was going to be the sixth warning and BJ was going to start getting fined. And he started calling around to uh, warehouses, like trying to find shit on Craigslist. Or, mm-hmm. So he called places and, hey, we want to put a ramp in there, you know, multiple key holders, maybe play music in there. And people would just be like, no. <laughs> no, we don't even want you to come and look at this place. We don't Fuck. want that. And he called me and said that he had talked to somebody that said that we can come down and check out the the building. So we we went there and the dude said that he had already verbally committed to a um like a wedding company. And they would store their chairs and tents and tables and all that in the warehouse. But he said he was like what you guys are talking about seems like it would be a nice addition to the block. 
the owner owns three buildings in that block. There's, there's three buildings. His business is in one, and then there's a solar company, and then there's the empty building. Yeah. So he said, if you guys can pay us by Friday, we will not sign the lease with other people, and we'll sign it with you. Oh, so damn. we we convinced him, can we sign a two week lease that we'll pay you five hundred dollars because the the rent was a thousand, pay you five hundred bucks for two weeks, and we'll have like a two week open house to see if you know invite people to the building. And we brought like a launch ramp and a curb and a manual pad, and invited everyone that we knew to come check out the spot. and And then it was like, if it's not going to work, we'll that'll be it and you you can rent it to the um, the wedding people yeah so and then after that two week period there was ten of us that first there was five of us that paid a hundred bucks each to get that two weeks and then by after that two weeks we got ten people to pay a hundred and so that it was March 15th so April 1st we had the ten people pay a hundred and I think by May 1st, we had like our 20 people that were yeah. paying the 50 bucks each. Damn, that's and, um, sick. Is, is it still a thousand bucks a month? No, the rent went up. The, okay. rent, the rent just went up. I mean, maybe in October or something. It, okay. And now we paid 13. It was a thousand dollars a month, but it had no power. Yeah. And oh, we were trying okay. to put that ramp back together with just. Um, like battery power tools but the batteries would go dead we couldn't recharge them so we asked the landlord if they could drop a um, extension cord from their building and they never asked for it back again so eventually rather than getting power to get your key you had to pay 300 bucks mm-hmm. so I think we had almost 20 people or so do that so we had like $6,000 stashed away but the, the, to get power in a commercial building, you have to pay a really big um, deposit. Okay. Just like at your house, you might have to pay like $300 deposit, and once you pay your electric bill so many times on time, you get your deposit back again. Yeah. But for a commercial building, it was like $6,000 or something. Damn. Yeah, it's heavy. Yeah, so we're like, well, we can, we have the money to do that, but then we'll have no money. Yeah. So we asked the landlord, um, we offered him $75 a month to keep that up. Extension cord. Hmm. So those thousand seventy five, yeah, was the uh, was the rent rent with power at that point. With the, okay. It still was on extension cord. You still have no oh, power yeah. over there. Yeah. But uh, he finally raised the rent to thirteen seventy five, just in um, October. Yeah, that's still like lower than I would have thought for that big of a space. Yeah, that's that's pretty it's rad. super cheap. And now they, they like us being there. I mean, cool. they like us as people. They're they're musicians that word artists musicians there. They're just stoked on what we're mm-hmm. what we're doing, and they know that he knows. Kurt's our landlord. He he knows that. Uh, even when he raised the rent, he's like, you know, I had someone come and kind of evaluate the building in this area, the area that the space is in is being gentrified, and so they told him that you should double all your rent. Fuck. He's like, I don't want to double your rent because I want you to be here, but I also need to raise your rent. He's like, I mean, my heart was dropping every time he calls me. Yeah. Fuck, dude. Why is Kurt calling me? This is it. It's over. Yeah. And he, and so I went and met him, and he apologized, and he, so I have to raise your rent three hundred dollars. Okay. Like, well, I, I know we actually I know we can come up with that. Yeah. We were already making more than that, and we're stashing away a few hundred dollars a month, 
in our little fund that we use to build ramps and stuff out of. And, mm-hmm. and, we, and at that point, I mean, we've, we've been done building for maybe like a year and a half now. Yeah. So a lot of that money that we were using to build is we don't need that anymore. Yeah. So yeah. we're able That's to. Rad. But now he has another expectation of the money of us getting a liability insurance. Oh, and sure. I think it was that same person that told him to raise his rent. It was like, oh, do you make him have insurance? And he's like, no. Fuck. He doesn't care. I feel like it's somebody else. Says, you got to protect yourself. So now there's an expectation. But I told him I can't, can't raise the rent and take out an insurance policy in my name and be unsure if we can pay it. Yeah, and then be stuck, then lose the space, and then have an insurance policy connected to my name that, without anyone contributing to oh, help me pay it. I see what you, you know, mean. I would have to pay that for a year. Yeah. So he's been cool with that. I just told him like recently that no problem on the rent. We're making it, and I promise I will make those phone calls. The first time I called somewhere to get insurance. The way I explained the space to them, I feel like um, made it seem like it was more than what it actually is. Okay. Like a skate park. Oh, do you sell retail there? Yeah, we do. We have t-shirts hanging on the wall that you just stick 15 bucks in a box and grab it off the wall. You don't need to tell them that it's retail. So, So their insurance company is like, okay, so it's a skate park with retail and... So the policy they shot at me was really high. Where okay, the word. next company I'm going to call, I'm just going to be like, I rent a building, which is this is more the truth. I rent a building, and me and my friends built skateboard ramps in it. Yeah, and our landlord wants us to have a liability policy. And yeah, leave it at that. Yeah, sounds but, sounds better that way. But yeah, I mean, and yeah, that's that's what it is. I don't know. That's it's a great asset to the community. Like anytime I've been down here to Wilmington, I've known somebody that could get us into the space and it's yeah. just an amazing no, it's spot right. and I guess know? to go back to where it was when BJ was going to get that so we moved the ramp in there that mm-hmm. ramp is 1,000 square feet the the warehouse is um, 6,000 square feet mm-hmm. so it started with just that ramp and then we had that whole other yeah. zone the, to, the ramp that's against the back mm-hmm. that was originally that's it that's okay. all that was in there the gotcha. whole rest of that place had nothing but a curb in it and then we started building. We had a we. I have a drawing that's at the space, and, and I keep it in the donation box because if people ask, like, "Oh, how did you come up with this plan?" I show them like we had the plan in the beginning. Mm-hmm. It didn't look anything like this <laughs> as we moved along. It just was a bunch of random obstacles. But in my mind, I kind of knew like this is what we're going to end up with eventually. And it's rad that it happened that way because it allowed us to like have an obstacle and realize like okay when you're coming off this wall when you hit this other obstacle that we plan on building that obstacle should probably be, be tweaked a little bit this way to yeah. catch you yep, where exactly. if we had built it all at once y- you it wouldn't probably ride like it does because True, yeah. you don't know how something's going to ride until you've ridden it yep. so building it in those sections like that built I think, it piece by really piece. helped to get it to work like how it does now and in the beginning it it really was more like a place for our our crew of people to skate it wasn't yeah. supposed to have any like outside involvement and, and it did work like that but then like people you know a lot of people in Wilmington work in the skateboard park building 
industry and yeah. so we leave to go on the road or you know people aren't using the space as much as they thought so they are not paying their rent and so it you know has ever evolved in like the, the people that are involved in keeping it going sure where it went in the beginning it was supposed to just be this thing for our group of friends and yeah it definitely has it's, it's dynamic yeah. and for me it's like you know I have to take in everyone's opinion and I don't want it to be something that is so different than what it was that we lose the people that helped start it and keep it alive but okay. at the same time we can't like cool guy ourselves into losing it mm-hmm. you know what I mean would you rather share it with these roller skater chicks and a couple BMX dudes <laughs> or not have it at all you know what I mean? Yeah. For me, it's like, I, gotcha. I, you know, I, I kind of got, BJ, I'll re- rewind a little bit. I mean, BJ, for, for the beginning, he, he he ran it and I helped him run it. We ran it together. Yeah. And th- then he moved back to Beaufort and it's like, all of a sudden now I'm running it and I have to, it wasn't really something I like chose to run. All of a sudden, like it's, it's fell on my lap. Yeah. And like, Man, I can't let everybody down if nobody else is stepping up. So I guess this is on me to make sure it stays gotcha. afloat. Yep, yep. And it stayed afloat. I mean, it's been six years, so it's a long oh, time. Yeah. No, that, that's for really an sick. indoor, you know, keyholder spot to yep. be to be there for. How many people are officially on the lease? One BJ. Oh no shit. BJ still the okay. leaseholder. Damn. But that's another thing that they're trying. That we're going to change. Gotcha. I mean, in a perfect world, it's like, oh, you create an LLC, and then the lease is in the LLC's name. And But, I mean, for, for me, I mean, I, my time is thin anyway. It's <laughs> like a new endeavor of trying to figure out how to become an LLC. And yeah, sounds like a whole can of worms that you're not and, trying and to open. Maybe, maybe someday. But I think I'm going to have to put the lease in my name and then take that insurance policy out and... Oh shit! Okay, in my name. Yeah. Well, best of luck. But yeah, I mean that's it's super sick that it's been going for as long as it has. Um, how many people at any given time like have the code and like have you ever had to change it because too many people? Well, if you're abuse a member, if you're a member, you get a key, so okay. you don't even need to have that code. Gotcha. We put that at, at one point. I think we were down to like we're literally down to twelve people yeah. paying fifty bucks a month. That's six hundred bucks. Oh yeah. Our rent's a thousand seventy five. How do we come up with four hundred and seventy five dollars a month? We were taking money out of that our big fund, our six thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So two hundred dollars this month, three hundred, four hundred to make up for the rent. Yeah. And I started to see the writing on the wall, like this is unsustainable. We can't use that money to build and use that money to compensate the rent. Like in four months we're gonna be done. If, yeah. we, if we keep on this path and so that's when I came up with the idea for the donation box like sure people want to skate and people want to donate but they don't have access to get in here so right. yes it's totally not fair to you $50 a month but people would ask me that like what's the advantage of being a key holder then like they're, they're financially no advantage <laughs> it just means you're the man and you're helping yeah that's it it means you care about this place sure you could give your key back and now access a different key with the code and pay $5. But, you know, we need to have 
us are $50 a month people, but we also need to compensate that difference in money. So let's put that lockbox there. And I see what and you that mean. helped yeah. us to be able to compensate the difference. Mm-hmm. But it's been a, we, we, we've actually just stopped maybe like six months ago with the code. There's some people that don't live in Wilmington that we're friends with that we give the code to them. Yeah. yeah, you're coming down from Raleigh. You're coming from wherever. We want you to be able to use it. You have the code, but I've kind of changed it. Like, if you live in Wilmington, you need to be a member. True. Like, okay. no, you. And we did change the code. Mm-hmm. I'm getting texts left and right. What's the, what's the new code? I'm like, you know, we're not, we're not doing the code anymore. Shit. Like if, <laughs> yeah. If you want to be part of it, it's fifty bucks a month. True. In 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 that, that works. And then they sprung the the rent being raised so then it was even more to people like yeah all right you don't live in wilmington but you're only 40 minutes away and you come here every week like you think you could be a member a lot of those a lot of people have stepped up cool to be um be a member yeah i mean you want to preserve something like that it's like a very pure and organic asset to the community like just an amazing thing to have and pretty lucky that you're able to have a spot that big for the price oh, yeah. it's at. So. Oh no, we're 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 super lucky. Yeah. And we're lucky, but I mean, to have them actually like us, yeah, being yeah, there yeah. is, it's insane. Yeah. And then the music part and the art and the walls and, it's rad. But it still is. It's like something I don't necessarily. Well, I feel weird about that. There's certain expectations of you, skateboarding wise, like how good you are. <laughs> it's not for beginners. It's yeah. not. It's it's. There's an expectation of how you skate. Yeah. And there's three concrete skate parks in this town, and the skate park, and mini ramps, and it's like there's a lot to skate here. Yeah. We don't have to feel guilty about not inviting everybody in there, but it's a thing to like get away from the soccer momness and scooters of the skate park. Exactly. Which is rad. I love that though. They get to have a skate park. But can we get away from you sometimes? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of what that's supposed yeah. to be. And, and sometimes it happens. Like I, I, I've given some people, we don't just give anyone a key. It usually goes like this. Like, oh, I want to be a key holder. Well, we'll give you the code. You pay 50 bucks a month, but you only get the code. Because if I give you a key and you suck, now we've got to change the lock. We've got to make all new keys for everybody and distribute them. Yeah, and yeah. So you're on your probation period. Damn. <laughs> it's That's, cold. <laughs> you're cool now. You're nice now. What happens when you come here with like your bottle of whiskey one day and you're trying to fight people or something? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. who are you really? Okay. Let's get to know you. I know what you mean. You know, yeah. you know, once, it's never happened, really. There's only one, one time that someone failed their probation period. Oh, fuck. Like, Dude, <laughs> no. What's this, like, without names, what's the story on that? How did they blow it? So I had to tell my parents, just because you meet a skateboarder doesn't mean you should tell them about what your son does in the warehouse he has. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they did, though. Oh, we should head up my son on social media. He runs this private skate park. So immediately the dudes hit me up, and I just could tell that, man, this dude's, I don't know if he's going to cut it. So for six years, I ignored him. Damn. Until... Oh, I would just say things like, just roll by there if the door is open and ask people if you can skate. But, yeah. And I don't like to, I also don't like to like be responsible for people there. Like when I go there, I just want to skate. If I, if I want to leave, I'm leaving. Yeah. And if you want to skate, you got to leave. Mm-hmm. And so 
just go there. I'm, I'm not your in there. You know what I mean? Don't call me. If you want to go be in there, then just go there. So finally, he, it wasn't even that long ago. He called me. I happened to be going there during my work day because I needed to grab a tool. Yeah. And it was, it had started raining and he had been at Greenfield. He's like, man, you think I can get in there? I'm like, dude, I'm going there right now. Lucky, lucky day. Yeah. Meet me there. I'll let you in. So you can, I sh- I'll show people sometimes how to lock it. Yeah. Like I won't I won't give you the code of how to get in, but here's how you lock it. Yeah. So some some people that will be there, they skate there, they know it. Yes, you can be the last one here. Yeah. Not be a member, here's how you shut it. So I showed that dude, this is how you lock it, but make sure you call me when you lock it because I want to make sure this is a little trick you do to make sure that lock is actually locked. Oh, okay. So that was at noon and at like 6:45 at night, he hadn't called me. I'm like fuck, I better go over there and make sure that he properly locked the door. And he's still there. His wife's there. His kids are there. He's taken over. He's brought his own um, boombox. Oh, shit. Playing Kanye. His kids aren't stopping. They're just like skating around and around and around. It's like, I mean, it's in general, the skateboard. If you know, when you get invited to the pool, when you get invited to the secret spot, just you go. Yeah, you yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah, you don't blow it out. You don't blow it out. <laughs> and he's blowing it. You know, I was like, whatever. Let it slide. I guess he's just excited that his kids are there. And then sometimes I'll tell people it's $600 a year. You know, because that, that shows me uh, your commitment. I, I it see is $600 mean. a year. Yeah. Broke it up into $50 a month increments. Yeah. But sometimes to see how committed somebody is, I'll be like, it's 600 bucks. That's yeah. what it is for a year. And a lot of times I'll steer people away. Mm-hmm. And so I told him, I told him that six hundred. He's like, "Well, how about 400 I'm Like, you've been there one. I, I ignored you for six years because I felt like this was coming. And you've been there one day. You blow, you blew it out, and now you're you're lowballing me. You're lowballing me. <laughs> Damn. There's people that have been there for six years paying fifty dollars a month, and now you think that you can. And then he just started sending me text messages that were like eight phone links long. Fuck. Just kind of trying to guilt trip me, and yeah. And finally, I set the call and be like, "I am sorry, but you failed. You failed failed the probation. You failed probation. There's people that like I already knew who they were. Their in is a super good friend of mine who's been a member for years, and it took them six months till Uh they get a key. In, In that case, it was because we didn't have any members that had kids, right." You know, and, and he's got kids that skate. So it's like, let me see what the space will look like with a member that has kids coming there. Is yeah. that going to, you know, are they going to be there at 7 o'clock at night when, you know, the session is really getting going? Or are they going to understand Saturday morning, right after school, bring your kids in there? And it worked out fine. So that's kind of what the probation period is to me is let's make sure that you being a part of the space won't change the space. Fair enough. And once you prove that, that the space will not change with you being a member, then here's your key. Well put. Have at it. Fuck yeah. And that dude's awesome. And that dude's a carpenter and he built the stairs going down to the ramp and he's a sick member. Hell yeah. But it is that... And someone else told me this, and I didn't. I didn't think of it this way. That the space needs to be protected, and that's part of my thing of running it. Is yeah, it's my job to 
to protect it. Yeah, I mean, if you took the initiative to like get it off the ground and you've stepped up to kind of hold a stake in it, have ownership of it, then you get to make those calls, you know? Yeah. So. And I did think it, I did think in the beginning it would be more like of a group governing body and we would meet every month and we'd run it, but it, it, I realized that like, I need to just make these decisions. Yeah. That, you know, when you start reaching out to people to get other people's opinions on, it's like, that's a good idea, but that idea will make the space close. Like your <laughs> ideas are just ideas. Yeah. They're not ideas of how can we keep this place open. Sure. And, you know, I need to, part of what I need to do and what I do is how can we keep it open? Yeah. Oh, there's my social media is telling me I should know these Cape Fear Chicks and Bowls roller skater group, which I don't know them, but <laughs> so I click on it and these chicks are roller skating at the skate barn trying to learn. And all I'm looking at at the space is like, you know, this is like an oval. It is an oval. It's like a, like a roller derby track with ramps all around the edge. Yeah. I'm like, I think these chicks would be stoked on this place to learn. Yeah. And I'm watching the videos. They need to learn. Like they're stuck in the little bowl of skate barn and just kind of going around in circles. And so I, I reached out to them and got them involved, which people were up in arms. Oh, shit. Like, oh, we're a roller skating club now? And this and that. It's like, no, but yeah. these chicks are like professional grown women that when they come in on Saturday morning and they leave, there's $75 in the donation box. Yeah. And, you know, once a week we get that, and that's four more members. That's taken the 12. Now we have 16 members because we're involving gotcha. the roller skater chicks. And, and we're about to cross another bridge with the um, rent going up. I've been letting bikes in there okay. on Monday nights. Word. And it's like how the dudes that have been coming in there are they maintain these dirt jumps. Hmm. They're actually the ones physically maintaining these dirt jumps. I mean, I'd rather have dudes on bikes. I don't care that you ride a bike. Sometimes it's weird in a skate park because the lines are different. Yeah. And it can get dangerous. But I'd rather have people that are on bikes that get it. Yeah. Like you build your own shit. You know what it's like. You know this is sick. You know, you know what's... You get it. Yeah. So for me, I'd rather have four dudes on bikes that get it than broaden the amount of skateboarders we let be members that might blow it. For sure. You know, so there's an expectation that your friends that don't skate don't come there. Mm -hmm. No need for them to be there. Like one guy we banned for a year for that reason. Oh, shit. But like, dude, you keep bringing like... Who are these people? Yeah. They're in there smoking blunts and drinking. Not that it matters, but you know, they're not 21. Oh, it's like, fuck, yeah. Dude, That's... you're bringing underage kids in here, drinking, smoking. Like, you're the bottom of the totem pole. No, yeah. like, you come and you come alone. That's it. <laughs> like, and he then he brought more people in there. But, but just Damn. being careful of, like, it's not a place for people that don't skate. And it's not like... like with the foundation or like DIY places like that, you can't really control things like that mm -hmm. because it is like the access for the public. Yeah. It's there. So, and people are going to just hang out, but we try and keep that yeah. at a minimum. And that's what makes it so special. It's like so core and so pure and it's reason to be. So, yeah, yeah I have a lot of respect for you guys upholding that it's, spot. It's not, not unique to the space. I think that like a keyholder thing sure in general and i think yeah but as far as keyholder spots go we are a little loose and we do have that lock box and we do you know allow access yeah. more than other places i yeah. mean 
But I don't know too many in in the Carolinas, to be honest. Too many I mean, key it used to be spots. that Thrashville and yeah, um, in Asheville, yeah, it was that indoor spot that was. That's there. what I'm saying. They're pretty few and far between, so it's kind of an anomaly that you guys are able to do that. But I'm stoked to get this like story and information out there because like maybe there's a city that needs to hear this and maybe they'll be able to make something happen too and like now they can kind of understand how it works and and how it can be done that was like a it was a concern that do we need it yeah like i say this all the time and it might not be true but i I think wilmington or new hanover county that we live in plus 15 miles outside of that i think we have more shit to skate than any other town anywhere there's so much shit within our crew like three concrete backyard bowls and ramps and a burnt ramp at Brian Drake's and there's so much and then there's all kinds of other crews that aren't even part of our crew that they have their own ramps Yeah. that do we need to have an indoor spot mm-hmm. is it sustainable or is there too many places to skate that no one's going to pay to go to this indoor spot when there's 20 fucking places to skate yeah. that you don't have to pay but I think it took that because we have so many skaters that it, it weeds out the ones that don't yeah. value and it. A lot of times, people like you know they'll they're like, "Oh, you do so much, and this wouldn't happen without you." And I mean, I don't know if that's true or not, but I know for sure it wouldn't happen without the community that we have. Mm-hmm. I could run that place all I want, but yeah. if there's not the people that are going to use it and donate to it and help build it, then it wouldn't be there. So it yeah, it really doesn't matter what I do. What matters is that there's other people that contribute to mm-hmm. it and all kinds of people contribute to that i mean i do i do run it i do the paperwork i count the money yeah i i make sure people are paying i order shirts and do all that stuff but tons of people build in there and yeah. help and i mean there's nothing that's been built in there maybe except for one set of stairs or something that i haven't had my hands in but it's not like i'm single handedly down there of course building yeah. everything the, the members for sure build and contribute and yeah, all capacities. Yeah. No doubt. That's good stuff. Uh, so who all does like the art and stuff for the t-shirts? Like who prints them? Is that all locally done? Yeah. Yeah. We had one guy that, um, Ryan Capron, he, he, he has a screen printing shop, smile mm-hmm. print and design. And he used to do all of our shirts. And then this other guy named, um, Don, he's been part of the crew forever he started his own screen printing uh thing in his garage yeah so we've been going to him right on with with capron's permission that's cool i felt bad because i'm like dude capron's been hooking us up he charges us five bucks a shirt don charges us more but it's like capron capron was doing the space a favor and i liked knowing that not that we're doing don a favor but us giving him business, making our shirts and sweatshirts, helps him. Sick. Where, oh, yeah. you know, really, I think K-Prom's probably like, those fucking dudes hit me up again, $5 shirts. You know what I mean? <laughs> no but, doubt. yeah, K-Prom. And designs, are, I mean, I do a lot of the designs on the shirts. Oh, yeah. Did you yeah. do the one with, like, the monkey and the astronaut helmet? That's mm-hmm. a sick one, dude. I, I have one of those. Yeah. Well, I, I, let me change that. I don't actually do the design work. I don't know how to do that. Okay. I, I would sit with Capron on the computer. Oh, oh what cool. about this? You know, he's, he's got his fingers on the keyboard. Nice. And coming up with, like, yeah. I have this idea. I mean, there was one we did the... I've been trying to do at each anniversary. We do a shirt like we did... This year we haven't done one. 
I kind of forgot that it was our anniversary until it was too late. But, <laughs> but number five, I just made like a jersey with five, like a sports shirt. And said the space above the five and four. We ripped off um, Black Sabbath Volume Four. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. I've seen that one. And then the three, I mean, obviously no choice in North Carolina. We had to do like the Dale Earnhardt shirt. <laughs> Simple. So we brought the image of the Dale Earnhardt thing to, the, to Ryan, and he dismantled his autograph and actually took like the curves of it and split them all up huh. and then took all those pieces and put them back together again to write the space Whoa. but he didn't like rewrite it with his hand he used the pieces of the actual autograph to, huh. to write, pretty far to write out. the space but yeah. Cape Ron did and, and then it's just like reusing that same image and mm-hmm. putting something else behind it but Ron's stuff has been on um, Tainek one of, one of the shirts was him. Tim designed a shirt. There's a guy, um, Tom, they call him Coach. He works for Artisan. He's he's designing our newest shirt. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's really good shit, man. Um, that's cool that you're keeping it within the family, like letting skaters yeah. design and like design the merch and everything. And the shirts, I mean, the shirts work out good. Yeah. Because we, you know, we, we pay... Say we pay seven bucks for a shirt, and then we sell them for fifteen bucks. Well, that's how you turn seven dollars into fifteen dollars. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, we do. Dude, just I do the have, same thing with my podcast. That's how I get at least some kind of money out of it. Yeah. So yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure it happens that people take the shirt off the wall, because that's how, that was also a thing. Is I had the shirts hid, hidden away. I'd tell a couple people where they were, like, oh, if people want a shirt, here's where they're at. Yeah. Well, then you don't sell any shirts because yeah. what if those three people aren't there? People would text me like, "Oh, we want to get a shirt." Be like, "Well, I'm not going to be there until I'm in town." So yeah. it's like, I mean, if we really want to sell these shirts, we just got to fucking hang them on the wall, yeah, and put a sign up, <laughs> put the money in the box, and if you were to catch someone stealing a shirt, would that be instant ban for no. life? No, no, no. Damn, well, got, it depends on like you, you got a kind heart. I, I would think of that as like the lowest of the low. <laughs> well, I would think if it if somebody. Someone stole from there one time. Yeah, it sucked. Mm-hmm. Do I think if someone stole a shirt, what I think that would be more of like, my shirt's dirty and I'm going to meet this chick and <laughs> I just wanted a clean shirt. So you give them I'll the benefit back, of the doubt. <laughs> I'll pay it back next time I'm here. You have a lot of faith in humanity. But someone then. did wipe us out one time. Oh, that's fucked. That whole place has faith in humanity. Yeah, sure. And, um, but one time I, weird things started going missing. And I do have faith in humanity. I'm like, oh, someone probably accidentally. But who the fuck would accidentally take a Bluetooth adapter? Sure, and yeah. who would steal a Bluetooth adapter? You know, it's like a $12 little adapter thing. Yeah. And so I got another one, and then it was gone again. I'm like, you know what? I, sh- I should get those signs that say, like, smile, you're on camera. But oh, not yeah. actually get a camera. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. test it. They're everywhere. The signs are everywhere. Uh-huh. I'm lying, but do you know that I'm lying? <laughs> I never did it though. Yeah. And then I had I had a friend, I had two different friends visiting, and I wanted to give them a hat. So I went through the hats. I'm like, all right, what hats do we have the most of? And I'll give them one of those. Mm-hmm. So I had just gone through the hats, and like a few days later, I went back in. I'm like, damn, we sold a lot of hats. I just went through those. It was like 20. And now I can see there's all three of those sections have no hats and. I'm like, man, I don't, there's no money in there. and Damn. And then I'm like, whatever. I'm looking for, looking for my board. No skateboard. Oh, fuck. I'm like, motherfucker, someone, 
someone someone robbed us. Damn. But I can't. I mean, I don't know. I tried not even think about it. Yeah. I was like, whatever, dude. Fuck that guy. I'm not gonna. Oh, we should put cameras in here. I'm like, I'm not gonna let that person stealing make it so that my phone's beeping every fucking five minutes. <laughs> oh, there's Tim. Yeah. Doing the right thing. Yeah. I'm like, we're not gonna catch the person. And whoever did it, I can't imagine was part of the space. I think that was one of those things where I was saying, like, we don't like you bringing people who don't skate. Yeah. It was, oh, you brought drunk Jim. You knew you shouldn't have because Jim's an idiot. But <laughs> just, just bring Jim. Who cares? He'll be fine. And now you're in the back skating the ramp and Jim fucking stole our shit. Yeah. Because I, those boards I ride, those Pete's Pigs boards, if you're, you wouldn't steal that board. It's obvious whose board that is. Yeah. No one else rides this Pete's Pig. Yeah. If you're going to steal a board, you'd steal like a real board. Right. And I think even if somebody, not to be cocky, but they're like, oh, I'm not going to steal Maddie's board. I'll steal another board, but I ain't stealing his. He totally. runs the place. Totally. So I, I just can't imagine it was somebody that... That, that knew that about knew. what was going on. And it's okay. funny, just a background story to that is um, one of the members, his son, he really likes those Pete's Pigs boards. So I, I, I gave him one of my... I just didn't like it. It had a snub nose on it. A really short nose, and I just didn't like it. So I got another one, so I gave his son that board. Yeah. So people would be like, if I see someone riding a Pete's Pigs, I'm going to fucking kick their ass. And I'm like... Ask him the name first. If his name is Dylan, he's got an afro, short kid. Yeah. Do not fight him. Yeah, please do not assault a child. <laughs> he's not even a child, he's 20. But, oh, okay. But, gotcha. but still, I was like kind of worried for Dylan. I'd yeah. call, call his dad and be like, someone stole my board. And I'm getting shit on my Instagram of a screenshot of Dylan riding the board I gave him. Okay. Is this it? I'm like, no. Yeah, you, you had to clear the air. Okay. Don't worry about it. I got, I got another board and yeah. space will live on fuck yeah uh, dude we could probably riff for hours man I, I love hearing you talk about your scene and your city and, and what you got going on but um, we're sitting at the time limit I'm about cool. ready to wrap it up yeah so, I'm good uh, that was good fuck yeah got, got shout outs Any, anything you want to bless on the air I mean if I try and shout people out I'll forget who to shout out but <laughs> I mean I, 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 I'm lucky to have been part of every scene that I've been part of. Uh-huh. And uh, I think it's important in DIY or anything else like to learn from skateboarding. And it's not always about like what tricks you can do when you get older. And like, sometimes I think about that like, oh, why was I 30 when I started to learn how to build ramps? And why didn't I do that when I was younger? But you know, skateboarding allows you to progress not just in like tricks or whatever the older you get it's hard to get better and better and better and keep your tricks and keep your tricks but yeah you can be just as involved in skateboarding and learning by learning how to build shit mm-hmm. and and that's what's going to allow people in the future to keep yeah skateboarding and oh yeah or even besides building like starting a brand or like a media outlet or making videos or whatever like there's so many ways you can give back to it and I, well, I guess I'll bring that out because you just I'd have been bummed if I didn't say this that shred crust doesn't mean this this is what shred crust means to me okay. like there's shredding that's like the that's like the the middle of the pizza then there's the crust yeah skateboarding's the middle of the pizza the crust on the outside of that pizza is podcasting videos photography like all the things Bands. music yeah. art but and you ask a skateboarder like they're not going to be like you're not going to say like oh I'm a podcaster 
I'm yeah. a fucking skateboarder. Yeah, dude. I podcast as well because of skateboarding. Uh-huh. You know, Matt Miller, who you just interviewed. Like, Matt Miller's not a photographer. Matt Miller's a skateboarder. Absolutely. So, I, I, I it, it's, that's sick about it, that you, we, it provides you with these yeah. other outlets that can end up being your career or anything else, but mm-hmm. you got into those things from skateboarding. Is, that's yes. badass. And together we form the crust. <laughs> together we form the crust. That's it. That's over. Yeah. We're going to wrap it up. Right. Fuck yeah. Yeah. she goes another ripper of a podcast episode is in the bag i'm super blessed to have been able to broadcast maddie's thoughts and stories to my loyal lurkers i hope you all were thoroughly entertained he's a gem to the wilmington community so next time you see him let him know you listened and you appreciate everything he's doing for his skate family words of wisdom be the crust Sometimes skateboarding involves not skateboarding and all the rad peripheral stuff around the edges of skateboarding itself, such as art, media, music. That's what builds the community and creates radness for everyone to rally around and strengthen the scene. So that's going to wrap it up. And I hate to say it, but this is my formal announcement of the end of this season, I guess you'd call it. I've been working my ass off, driving all over the place every weekend, editing until my eyes bleed, and I'm ready to take a little break, enjoy some more time on my board, uh, especially as this weather's getting nicer. So if I've hit you up for an interview, just know that I'm not bailing, just going to be a little while. I'll be coming back in the future with new episodes, new guests, new merch, all that shit, uh, whenever the timing feels right. I am beyond thankful for all the kind words and support I've received since starting the pod, and I wouldn't have made it this far without y'all. So big love to all my listeners, and I'll see you in a couple months. Peace.